Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. Guys, I cannot thank you guys enough for all the love and the downloads and subscribing and telling your friends about the show. And I've had several of you emailing me lately, lately with ideas for shows, for guest ideas. I uh, actually had several of you refer me to other shows that I could be on myself. It's been awesome. Can't thank you enough. And guys, I am excited about today's show. But before I get into it, I want to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. If you are sick and tired of trying to chase down information from your prospects, whether it's driver list or driver's license numbers, social security numbers, or tech pages, or anything that you need from your client in order to get a quote, I've got a solution for you. And it is a one-click solution from Canopy Connect. And I would love for you to hear more about it. Go to app.usecanopy.com backslash Heath, and you can schedule a demo. You can check out pricing. You can um, get to know my man Tolga over there. He's a great, great guy. You're going to love him. Please go check that out. Tell him I sent you. You'll get your discounts. Dude, you're going to love it. Uh, today's show, I am pumped. Today's show, I've got my man Ed Lamont. He, I went through a course not too long ago called CPIA, Certified Professional Insurance Agent. It's a designation course that I went through through the Ames Society. Uh, you should check them out sometime. If you want to know more, email me, call me, uh, text me. Find me on Facebook uh, or LinkedIn. I'll tell you all about Ames Society, and I will tell you all about this program. But on to today, the guy who taught my class for two of the three days in this course was Ed Lamont from Lamont Consulting Group. He is awesome. He taught me so much, and uh, you know, I was leaned up in the in my chair. I was listening. I was taking notes and I just loved it. And I couldn't wait to get him on the show to talk to you about it and about what he does, about his process, hear his cool story. I uh, I can't wait. So I'm going to get out of the way, sit back, relax, and listen to my episode with my man, Ed Lamont. Mr. Ed Lamont, how are you, my friend? And never better. That's awesome. How is it down there in beautiful Florida? Uh, hang on a second. The air conditioner is running. I, I can't hear you. You know, it's uh, <laughs> no, this How is rude. I know this is paradise. Uh, we love it down here. Yeah. I wake up at 34 degrees outside here and you're telling me about the air conditioner. Being on. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is Sorry. beautiful. No, it's perfect. Um, so you're up in Adam early this morning. I guess you got a busy day today. I do. It's, um, uh, I, I, I'm a morning person anyway. It's the fact is that's when I get my work done. That's if you see emails from me, it's probably before seven o'clock Eastern. Um, and you know what, it, it, as an independent contractor and doing what I do, it allows me that if I want to take off at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and go walk and smoke a big cigar, I can go do it and then come on back to work. Oh man. I love it. I can just picture you on a Peloton, a big cigar <laughs> hanging out your mouth. Or, That's, you know, walking the dog with a big cigar hanging out. I love it. Uh, yeah. Oh, with me with the cigar or, or with the dog with the cigar? Either one. Okay. <laughs> either one. All righty. So let's uh, talk about your dog. We're talking about Florida. Uh, the audience is wondering who you are. So let's take a walk down memory lane. Sure. I want you to talk to me about who Ed Lamont is. Go back as far as you want and lead me to where you are today. Okay. Uh, you know, like a lot of people that listen to you, uh, uh, 
he, the, I came from a different industry. I was in a banker uh, before I got involved with insurance. And one of my clients was a, um, oh, they were an insurance agency, brand new insurance agency at the end of the shopping center. Uh, they were surety bond specialists. So they did a lot of work with construction contractors. Um, it was a natural fit. I, I helped them out and some things getting, them getting started with some financing and everything. I had a you know background in, in finance because I was you know making loans to the bank and everything. Um, and they brought me on as a surety bond producer. Uh, that was uh, before you were born, but that was a long time ago. And uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, it was technical. It wasn't just a matter of selling insurance, but I also found that there's a lot of money writing the insurance for these construction contractors I was writing. So I, I got proficient in that. Moved down to Florida back in 1991, worked with an agency that was a surety bond specialist. Was there for a couple of years. It wasn't the right fit. It was my, my fault. I, I made the choice. And I'm a big believer that you take responsibility for your choices. I ended up working with another agency down here that I'm still affiliated with. I'm an independent contractor of theirs, and I've been affiliated with them for over 20 years now. But they were workers' comp specialists. So the idea of large, um, you know, uh, loss sensitive type workers comp plans, even guaranteed costs, but mostly loss sensitive, it was it was kind of a good fit for me, and it and it paid real well. Um, I love being doing what I do. I like to say that what I do is based on my street experience, and that is to help um, agents like you and and your friends get measurable increases in sales. There you go. Uh, I love that. So I guess my, my first question would be to you is, okay, so, you know, going from, you know, being a producer in an agency, when did you first decide, okay, I want to help other agents. I want to go from selling, you know, and again, you still sell, yeah. but you want to impart some of that wisdom on others. Yeah. It's, um, I think it was always there uh, back when I was up in Maryland and first got the job as a surety bond producer, <coughs> excuse me. I, um, I took Dale Carnegie training. Okay. And it, it was great. It helped me out a great deal. I volunteered to become what they call a student assistant for the Dale Carnegie training. So I would assist the, the trainer after I took the training. And really I did it because I wanted to reinforce the training that I took, but I ended up student assisting, uh, graduate teaching is what they call it, uh, for Dale Carnegie for two more years after that. And that was kind of the beginning. Now I never thought it was going to turn into anything more. Um, came down to Florida. One of the things I did was I joined a Toastmaster club and the guy that ran it was also a, um, an insurance agent. Um, the guy that referred me to it was a professional speaker. And next thing you know, I'm kind of mixing and mingling with those folks took training called dynamics of selling, put on by the national Alliance, your friends out in, uh, in Austin, um, and became a dynamics of selling instructor. I did that for about 16 years until, until 2013, when we agreed that I was going to break off. I was going to do my own thing without violating any type of, uh, contracts I had with them. And, um, so I guess I kind of, it, it was always there somewhere that I wanted to do speaking in some way, it, it, even as a hobby. Um, I'm a tour docent, a, a museum guide where I, I take people through museums and talk about history. So I think I've got the spotlight disease and I like to get in front of groups and talk. You and me both, brother. I love, <laughs> I love a spotlight. I love a microphone. I don't shy away from any of that. And I love that you brought up Toastmasters. That's been a, a big part of, of my life in certain areas. And, you know, I've, I've been to several of them and, and I love to do impromptus and get up on a microphone. Nice? And then we started, my wife started a, uh, a thing called the forum in, in Arkansas with the PIA to where we're helping producers. You know, there's a lot of producers out there, as you know, they know a lot of insurance knowledge. 
they know how everything works, but they don't know how to present it to That's the exactly customer. Right. And yeah. so we wanted to start a program to where we could get them comfortable talking in front of people instead of fumbling over their words. Cause you know, as well as I do, especially from Toastmasters, when you're fumbling over your words saying, uh, um, things like that, <laughs> you sound like you don't know what you're doing or you sound yeah. inexperienced. So Toastmasters is huge. And if you're listening, listen to Ed and the mayor, we're telling you, Get into a Toastmasters, find something like that yeah. to give yourself some sort of, you know, knowledge on how to speak publicly or how to even present a policy to a room of two or three people or even just one controller. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I joined Toastmasters to be a better insurance presenter. I yeah. stayed there for a whole lot of other reasons. Okay. And that goes back. I've been uh, Toastmasters since 1992. Uh, I remember when I was a bank manager way back in the, uh, after I got out of college, um, the guy, I was an assistant manager. My manager was a Toastmaster and he invited me there. And I said, well, what do you all do? And he says, well, you know, we, we get together and uh, we work, work on personal communication skills. And I said, well, do you drink? Because I thought, you know, toast, cheers, and all that kind of stuff. He said, no, we don't do any of that. Um, do you sell appliances, you know, like Toastmaster brand or something like that? No, it's a multi-level market. <laughs> so I never joined. And that was 10 years before I did join. And I wish I had back then because your advice that you just gave about being a better uh, communicator, uh, we, we do know a lot of stuff. And sometimes I actually have a program called No Believe Communicate. In other words, we need to know things. Then we need to believe them, and then we need to communicate them. And that's a, that's a program I take out to associations uh, uh, and have, have actually earned CE credit on as well. So I love the program you're talking about. Um, it, it's super valuable to, to any of these folks that want to you know, literally get the measurable increases in sales. So know, believe, communicate. I like that. It's KBC. Um, KBC. So you're wanting, uh, you're wanting to pardon people and, and empower people to learn as much as they can. Now, are you talking product knowledge or are you talking sales strategy or when you're talking about knowledge and knowing? Yeah. What's, what's, get into that in just a second with me. Sure. The No Believe Communicate is definitely product. And what I consider product is you know the protection plans that we have, um, the safety services, risk management, loss control services that either we have at our agency or we can get from our insurance companies. And then regulatory stuff. One, one of my largest customers is a you know long haul trucking insurance specialist. So they have DOT they have to deal with, but anybody in commercial has to deal with OSHA. So the protection plans, um, the risk management and the regulatory stuff, we need to know that stuff. And then we need to really believe it, okay? In other words, that we do make a difference, that we can, we can help make our customers more profitable by knowing this stuff. And once we believe it, then we have a chance to help our, our, our prospects and clients believe it because we have a better ability to communicate it. And again, the communication part is a, is a whole separate piece. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a lecturer, okay? Uh, but I love knowing what I'm talking about so I know what questions to ask to lead people to the right decisions for their part. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that I, and I love the believe it part as well because uh, some of the episodes that, uh, in the past, the, the audience knows I'm a big believer in the insurance industry and that we do work in a noble profession. Yep. And it's something that's really grabbed at me lately uh, to think about. And I'm trying to talk to college students and younger you know, people and high school students about how important insurance is, because you can't open a business without insurance. Mm -hmm. You can't you know, drive a car or own a house without insurance. 
I mean, it's so integral into what we do every day. If you look around any community that you live in, probably the most influential people in that community are the insurance agents or the ones that show up at your ribbon cuttings, the ones that are involved in the cookouts, the ones that are at the banks, the ones that are everywhere. Those are usually your insurance. We're very important part of a society. And so I think it's cool that you're teaching people to believe that as well and believe in your product and what you do. Yeah, well... As the mayor, I'm happy that you're happy, and I agree with you. I think insurance people, if you look at them in the community service, just go on LinkedIn and see the community service that insurance people do. Um, uh, it's incredible. Um, I have another presentation that I've given to uh, more as a keynote, and it's, it's called Insurance Improves the Quality of Your Life. And I'm waiting for the public adjusters to allow me to come and keynote one of their events to say that because, you know, they act like we're the devil. And it just, it fries me when that happens. I'm actually in a networking group with a public adjuster. And I just zip it up whenever she goes on and on about how the insurance industry is the enemy because it's utterly untrue. And um, you've got a few years in the business and I've got a few years in the business. And we can, we can give all the testimony in the world uh, to to justify what we say you talked about chris paradiso uh, look at what he yeah. does for the community and for his family i mean the the guy is brilliant he's one of the greatest examples of giving and i'm not talking about giving back because he didn't steal anything but i'm talking about giving to the insurance co- uh, community and uh those are the people i that are my heroes that's fantastic i um I did not know that you were, uh, you knew Chris Paradiso and you're involved with him. He's, he's a great guy. I'm so lucky and glad to have him as a guest on the show. Uh, and he and I have gotten to know each other. And I, again, somebody I look up to as, as I, you know, we call the godfather of insurance. And so <laughs> I, uh, I just think the world of him and what he's doing and his story, um, I just think it's fantastic. So, um, so talk to me about, okay, so we've got no believe and communicate. Mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, the Toastmasters and we're already, you know, leaned forward in our chair and really into what Ed's got to say. <laughs> You're kind. But I'm interested in talking, as you and I have talked in the past, first of all, audience, let me tell you, um, I first met Ed through a course called AIMS uh, or called CPIA, sorry, through the AIMS Society. And if you're not a CPIA certified insurance agent, you need to be. It is a certified professional insurance agent. It's through the AIMS Society. And Ed was the teacher in that. And it blew my mind. I got, you know, my 20, was it 24 hours of CE uh, or 20, whatever it was. We'll give you a policy. That's for sure. Yeah. And um, it was, it was not policy training. Mm -hmm. It was not, you know, getting into the weeds on, you know, what, it reads in a policy or the language there, it was more on sales techniques and from top to bottom, how to open and close a deal. And I've been CPI certified for several years now and had the designation, but going through that with Ed, I was like, I got to have him come to insurance town and talk to us. (laughs) Thank you. But one of the things that you talked about on that show or on that, in that class was a profit center mentality. Right. What, Talk to me a little about a little bit more about that because I couldn't ask a whole lot of questions. We were on a time, you know, strict constraint. But I want to hear more about that. Now that we've got a few more minutes, we can talk about that. Be Tell me about to. the profit center. Yeah. Yeah. First off, um, I remember you on, on that class, and it like everything in this in these COVID days, it was virtual. And one of the toughest things for an instructor like me or any of them, because there are a lot of great instructors that, that teach that, is to get audience participation. And Heath, you stepped up. Okay, if I asked a question, does somebody want to participate, have a conversation, that type of thing, you stepped up. And I encourage anybody that gets on these things, don't just hide behind your microphone. Matter of fact, a lot of people 
couldn't get on because they didn't have a microphone. They were just watching it through their computer. You know, get a headset, stick it on there, uh, do what you did, because that's how, number one, you get the most out of it. But even more for me, it allows me to actually interact with somebody and have a discussion. And now we're having a discussion about profit center mentality. Um, yeah, I, it goes back to that. Neither one of us are afraid of the stage or the microphone. So <laughs> You're right no, I really that. enjoyed it. I was at the edge of my seat. I was really enjoying. I was not looking forward to the course at all. Really? Then once I got in there and you and I started talking, I shouldn't say it that way. I was looking forward to the course. I know what you mean. But I was thinking, oh my gosh, all day long. I've got to sit, who, I've got who wants to sit there for seven hours and listen to somebody else talk, right? But you made it interesting. You made it fun. And the other lady that taught my other course was fantastic too. But you were great. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I interrupted you. Mentality. Yeah, let me get to that. What it really means is that... <laughs> We go beyond selling insurance when we're trying to serve our buyer. This goes back to my banking days. This goes back to my, even in my beginning as a surety bond producer, it was very financially oriented, reading financial statements, profit losses, balance sheets, all that. Okay. And it, it dawned on me that what I'm doing when I bring a protection plan, insurance protection plan, either mostly commercial, but even personal in some extent, is I'm bringing a tool that I have that can help them be more profitable. Now, some people say, you're saying you're selling somebody insurance and you're going to make them more profitable. Well, yeah, because I can decrease their expenses with the right type of insurance. Okay. Oh, and don't think too hard about this stuff. It's a matter of if I get a claim paid that wouldn't be paid otherwise, or if I have a uh, less retention and I take on more of that, I'm decreasing their expenses that will increase their profitability. Well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, everybody does that. Well, you're right. Everybody does do that, but they don't realize that's what they're doing. Same thing with loss control. You bring in risk management recommendations and they go, well, that, how much is that going to cost me? Um, well, we can quantify that, but how much is that going to uh, not cost you by avoiding claims or by qualifying you for jobs that maybe you wouldn't have qualified before? So I'm also talking about increasing revenue, not just decrease in, 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 uh, decreasing expenses, but increasing revenue. And ultimately, if I can either decrease your expenses or increase your revenue, I have a good chance of impacting your profitability. Um, the third thing I throw into there are is regulatory, regulatory and compliance support. I'm not an expert on OSHA. I'm not an, expect, an expert on the uh, Department of Transportation, but I know people who are, okay? And they cost money, but you know what? If they can keep your truck rolling because it's not being taken off the side of the road, that's revenue generation. So I ramble a bit on this, Mayor, but uh, the idea here is we have tools, protection plans, insurance protection plans, risk management ideas, and strategies and compliance and regulatory um, uh, support for our, for our clients that can help them be more profitable. And it just takes me completely away from you need to be the low bid. No, you're 100% correct in that. And I think that that's a big key right now. Uh, it's taking that mentality or that mindset that people have of us being salespeople or just worried about getting the next sale and moving yep. on, you're coming at it with a value add. That's right. It's, it's, I don't want to be commoditized. And I've, I've used that word a lot. I actually looked it up and it's not a real word, but I don't want to be made into a commodity. And that is where insurance has always been in a sense, but it's going even further now. Uh, you turn on the TV and you're told, um, here's the price gun, pick your price. Okay. Well, that means how little coverage do you want? Okay. Uh, or, um, we will make tailor this to you. Well, we've always been doing that, but 
the idea here is that's commoditizing insurance when it's not a commodity. Um, it's a professional service. I mean, you had to get your CE, right? You had to get a license. Yep. Uh, yep. You do the wrong thing and uh, those initials, you know, come after your rear end. No different than a doctor, a attorney, or an engineer, or anybody else. And that's one of my strongest points I try to get across to people is we are every bit as professional as any one of those other professions. We need to be treated like that by our prospects and clients. No, you're exactly right. And that's something we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show. And I love that you brought that up as well is, you know, um, we are professionals. We are, you know, we're not, you know, doctors and lawyers, but we, we should be treated as such. So I'm right. glad you said that. And, and I love that you say that you want to uh, increase revenue, decrease expenses, because I think you're right that people think, oh, you're trying to just add another you know, expense onto their, you know, their yep. list and you're trying to get into their, you know, P and L statements and doing all this stuff. But really, you know, again, it goes back to the old saying that my dad used to say was, um, you got to spend money to make money. And I think sometimes that goes back to the same thing. If you spend a little bit of money on your insurance agent, if you get the right one, you're going to end up saving money down the road. Exactly. And, and in a million ways, and all, none of these are new tablets coming down from the mountaintop. Um, su such things as um, patronizing your client. And I don't mean that in a word way. I mean, using their services, okay? Um, referring other people to your clients, making connections. And in the commercial world, that's super important. If I'm working with a really good general contractor and I have knowledge about a subcontractor, I think would be an excellent fit for them because of their reputation, that type of thing that maybe they haven't used. I'm helping them make connections. And, and all these things impact a business. Too often, they just look at the premium. How much am I paying per month? How much am I paying per year? And, 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 basing whether you're good value on that. And that's a mistake. It really is because premium is just how you measure value. If you have a very low premium, but to have terrible coverage, that's still not a good value. If your premium is, is, is fair, I'm not saying out of control, but fair for what you're getting for, for great coverage, for great risk management support, for frankly, a great relationship, that's a good value. All right. So that's why it's hard because you're an insurance buyer. I mean, do you want to pay more in insurance than you have to? I mean, we're all, that's where we no. all need to go. We, we all need to remember that we're insurance buyers too. And I bet not a person that listens to your podcast says, I buy the cheapest insurance I can possibly find because I'm an insurance agent. No, they're buying the best value they can possibly find cost, coverage, service, relationship, risk management. That, that's a big old stew of stuff. No, you're exactly right. Um, so a profit center mentality, that's something that you use when you're selling insurance yep. as well as when you're teaching other agents. That's a great Correct. question. And I don't mean to just compliment you, Mary, but it's a great question because it absolutely is how I sell it. It separates me from the competition. Now, again, I have a responsibility to know what I'm talking about from a coverage standpoint, from a risk management standpoint, and to some extent, a, a regulatory standpoint, but it changes the questions, okay? It's no longer, um, you know, what's your payroll, how many vehicles you have, and that time. We can get to that, all right? Everybody, start, can, I, can, I, uh, can I see your policies and where's your copying machine? Go away from that, okay? Come in and start talking risk management to them. Um, uh, uh, what shuts you down and keeps money going through your 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 into your coffers? Okay, what do you worry about? And frankly, we've evolved into that. Um, we are not just insurance agents. Um, risk management to me is 
kind of the top of the menu bar. And insurance is just one of the things that drops down from it to do risk management. And I've even taken it further to something called uh, enterprise risk management. To me, risk management is helping somebody not break something or hurt somebody. Enterprise risk management includes that, but also includes what can I do to make sure that working capital, that uh, income stream, that that you're making money? What can I do with my products to do that? So th- that's where I go with the questions. Heath, we still got to gather the underwriting information. No, no question. Okay. But if I have that, the enemy of, of the professional insurance agent is sameness. Everybody's the same out there. And what I try to do is not be the same because number one, I'm not the same. And number two, I don't believe that to do it the same as everybody else does anything but make us a commodity. Let me take a breath because that was a rant. No, that was perfect. So while you're taking a breath, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very interested in, okay. So when you talk about, yeah, I've heard many of people talk about risk management and I've even, you know, heard, you know, some of the things you've talked about, but the enterprise risk management's interesting to me. Um, once you catch your breath and you're ready to go again, is there anything yeah. else you know you want to share with me about the enterprise risk management? What you're teaching and how you're going about some of those things? Because that's an interesting uh, sure. differentiator from just a risk manager. Gotcha. Remember, I mentioned to you I like to do uh, museum work and everything. So let me give you a little history of risk management. When I first came into business, when you were before you were born, um, we caught a common sense. All right. Risk management is common sense. Don't put all your inventory in one spot. Don't buy your 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 triplet boys when they turn eighteen. All three separate Corvettes. Okay, it was avoid that. It was com- and in the nineties, it became more of a um, more scholastic and, and and rightfully so. Okay, in other words, there were risk management degrees being given out by Georgia State, by Appalachian State, by some of the great colleges around, and it became. It was there was more scholastic to it that we could actually go and learn. All right, uh, statistical analysis analysis became a bigger part of it, and I don't think that part will ever go away. But the enterprise risk management is what evolved. I think eh, probably as far back as say tw- uh, the two thousand, maybe two thousand ten, where you continue to do the risk management things, the common sense things, but you start wondering how does this impact the income, the working capital, the cash flow of that company. Heath, that goes back to um, surety for me. I mean, when I was getting a construction contractor approved for a bonding, I had to be able to explain working capital, cash flow, uh, overbillings, underbillings, how all this stuff affected it. And I guess what I'm saying is I took that to the insurance world and I didn't tub the term enterprise risk management, but it fits it perfectly. Last thing on that, it, 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 it'll change the questions you ask when you first start with somebody. Again, you'll never get away from gathering the, the data. You always do that. But if you go in there starting with, uh, can I copy your insurance policies? What's your payroll and all that kind of stuff? You sound like everybody else. I'd rather talk about what could keep them in business or put them out of business. Yeah, I think once you change the narrative on that, and once it becomes, like you said, you know, more about them and more about how to keep things rolling... Instead point. of, you know, uh, making it about you, the insurance agent, I need to get this information so I can hurry back to my desk, get you a quote as fast as possible, and maybe I win. I think once you turn that and flip that around on its head and say, okay, I care about you, Mr. Client, XYZ company, I want to know what's going to keep your doors open. They feel like you, you're invested with them. 
Yep. And I'm really glad you said that because it is about them. And we are notorious for doing things that are about us. And I'll give you a perfect example that I bet half of the people listening, if they're commercial, are going to say, eh, I'm not doing that. Okay. It's wrong on that one. But here it is. For years, when a customer asked for their loss runs, it was like, uh-oh, they're, they're shopping us. Okay. Well, I don't look at it that way. Loss runs are a management tool. And maybe it's because the clients I work with are normally, say, middle to large, okay? But it doesn't matter. They're a management tool. I don't want to have to sit there and say, well, it'll take you two weeks to get your loss runs. We have to order them and all that. Somebody pushes a button and your loss runs come to you, all right? But they've been trained, a lot of agents have been trained to say it'll take us a couple of weeks. So here's what I think a lot of people would disagree with me on is that, no, you know, you've got to protect your account and that type of thing uh, for your agency and keep the coffers filled at the agency. And that's true. But your response responsibility number one is to that client okay and there's not a client that I have that doesn't get lost runs at least semi-annually without even asking okay every six months and, and just prior to renewal or if they're larger clients get them every three months and I have I've had I don't have them now but I had one client that we had lost runs every month because they had over a thousand employees and they had to be able to spot and see trends if I had the attitude that no I'm not giving out my lost runs until that somebody asked for them because I don't want them to shop me I'm thinking about me if I have the attitude that they are a management tool to help uh, ensure the profitability of this company, I'm now thinking about them. That's an example of thinking about yourself versus thinking about your client. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I do think that's a, uh, a, a trend in the wrong direction for insurance agents to focus more on themselves than they do the client. And that's been going on forever. I shouldn't say sure. trend. That's probably the wrong word, but you get what I'm saying there. Oh, I do. Um, so I, I do appreciate that. So you, you talk about some of the things you're talking about they all tend to fit into the construction arena. Some of the things you talk yeah. about, is that kind of a niche that you follow after and something that, that you teach a lot of, not only agents, but a lot of your clients about? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, construction is where I cut my teeth. By the way, look at these hands. I've never moved anything. This at best, I was debris removal in, in construction. I have, uh, even here, I don't do anything. But the fact is, the financial side of it, I understood f from a surety standpoint. Um, I love construction because I, I get a little triumphal about this. But if I write a surety bond for a general contractor who builds a, you know, six-story building with uh, 40 offices in there, I feel like I'm part of, you know, 40 different companies and their employees and being able to feed their kids and all that kind of stuff because I helped create this. Now, Mrs. Lamont says, no, you didn't. They could have gone to another surety, could have gone on another, they would have done it, but it doesn't matter. I was part of that. So when I drive by that thing, um, I feel like I've got a piece of me and not just because I earned a premium on the surety bond. All right. But so uh, that's how I kind of look at it. Now, um, when I came to Florida, it was different. I was up in DC where surety was huge. I mean, everything was bonded. In Florida, yeah, they, there's some great sureties down here and great surety agents, but I, it wasn't enough to keep Mrs. Lamont fed. So I then became a workers' compensation specialist because that was, Florida, when I came down here, had the second highest rates in workers' compensation in the country. It's not quite that bad now, but they were we had roofers paying over $55 for every hundred dollars of payroll. And that, I don't know how they stayed in business, but the point is uh, I got involved with workers' compensation, but it kept me with uh, construction, but also opened up manufacturers and, and other large worker co uh, compensation accounts for me. Yeah. I think that you, you touched on something there just at the very end there, when you talked about that roofer at $55 per, yeah, it, it's stupid. You know, I don't know how he stayed in business that long, 
But again, going back to your point earlier, when you can get in there and decrease that expense, yeah, you can help them to not only you know increase their revenue and help them in that way, but also they can win more jobs. Yep. If That's they can exactly get that right. because some of the costs that they charge the customer, their customer is based on what you, the insurance agent does, that does. guy does. And let's take it outside of the premium. If I can help them control their workers' compensation experience modification, which is a mouthful, um, I can help them be more competitive against their people that they are going against. In other words, if I can keep them a, a credit experience mod versus a, a 1.0 or something uh, higher. And again, that's one reason why they're going to get loss runs from me. So we can look at this stuff and catch things and, and find trends. But you know what? It's even more than that. Um, the roofer. And by the way, the roofer rates in Florida are not that, high, uh, not that high anymore. They're high, but they're not that high. But think about this. If I had a crew of 10 roofers and I'm paying them, and forget premium discount and all that, but I'm paying them, um, I'm paying $55 for every $100 of payroll, all right? And say they don't get on a job because the certificate of insurance didn't get out there, okay? Are they going to pay those roofers for sitting around that job, not doing anything? More than likely, yeah. I think they will because they were asked to come into work. They sent you off to a job and somebody back in the office uh, couldn't get them on the job. So they're going to pay that $55 workers' compensation on top of it as well. So this is an area where service can tie into it. In other words, to make sure that uh, that certificate of insurance got out there, not so much so they can get uh, their pay from the contractor, but that they can get the roofers on the job so that they can do what they're supposed to do. And it's not just the $55 of workers' comp. There are other indirect costs. Um, Unemployment. Uh, In in roofers' cases, um, uh, uh, Social Security and, um, and general liability. So all these indirect labor costs are going to go on top of that payroll and it's going to cost that roofer money while their roofers are sitting outside a fence not being able to get on a job. And what do roofers do when they sit outside of a fence and not get on a job? Lose they don't, money. <laughs> they lose money, but they probably also have a beer. They might even light up a roofer, okay? Uh, right. <laughs> who, who knows what they're doing out there? So yep. my point is, it's not just the premium. It really is. It's all the, the indirect labor costs, what, what those people are doing, um, not being uh, pro- uh, productive. It's, it's, it's just not a good situation. It's more than how much we set, uh, charge in premium. But I, 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 I catastrophize a little bit and I, I, I go a little bit along with that. But that's, that's the type of story I tell people. Is because I've seen it happen. No, I think it's fantastic. It goes back to what you said at the beginning of the show. You have to take responsibility for your actions, too. Uh, I, you have a good memory. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I uh, again, I'm back to the edge of my seat again with you, and I, I think it's great. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Uh, before we do wrap up, I did want to get into a little bit. Um, talk to me. Okay, if, if there's a, an agent out there or a CSR or a producer, principal, Listen, that, you know, wants to learn more about your consulting side of things, not to make it a commercial for, nice, for that, man. but give me, you know, give me a minute or two of uh, kind of your services, what you do, you know, if they want to find you, some of that kind of stuff. You'll just tell me some of that so we can uh, get your phone ringing a little bit more. Well, I appreciate that. And Mrs. Lamont appreciates that too. Uh, she likes to eat and she, she likes to maintain her lifestyle. Um Really, the best customer for me, where I focus most of my attention because everything else would kind of drip down from that, are insurance companies. Insurance companies bring me in to do producer schools. Frankly, this year has been a big year for me working with insurance underwriters 
there, first of all, many insurance underwriters are also production underwriters, so they do have production responsibilities or also have marketing responsibilities. Um, but I've worked with insurance safety services as well because they have to understand where everybody fits into this. If I'm a producer and I've got all these assets I've talked to you about, the safety people and the, the protection plans and the regulatory all, those are other people, okay? And they, I try to work with all of those. So insurance companies are excellent clients for me, especially insurance companies that have a uh, specific niche, trucking, aviation, um, forestry, uh, whatever it is. If, if they have niche products, that's really good for me. Because what happens is I go in and I work with those folks they almost always put me in front of their next gen uh, groups, the next generation of agents or their uh, producer schools. And then I pick up the opportunities to work with insurance companies. I'm sorry, insurance agencies. Um, I do some one-on-one, -on -one, but I want to be very direct with you, uh, Mr. Mayor. I really do. The one-on-one -on -one stuff is not my biggest strength. And I'll tell you why. I'm not trying to downsell me here. Um, I'm a nice guy and they need a butt kicker if they're gonna be working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, all right? I try to coax them and get them to where they need to go, hear some skills and that type of stuff. But I, and, and the practicality of it is I don't have any authority over them. I can't fire them, I can't do anything. And the last thing I ever do is go to, like if you had producers, uh, Heath, I would never go to you and say, you gotta fire that guy, he's no good. I, I mean, that's somebody's breadwinner. So I don't do as much one-on-one -on -one stuff, but I do have a, a, a friend of mine that I, I do a lot of, I refer my one-on-one -on -one stuff to. Maybe I'll talk to you about him because he's he's mentally tough guy and all this kind of stuff, and he's, he's really good at that. Um, to find me, uh, I should have pre better prepared for this because my website is in, in the process of being rewritten and everything is lamontconsultinggroup.com. It's nothing too fancy, lamontconsultinggroup.com. If you go to it, you'll see my old website and it's under reconstruction, but there's some information there. Um, but I think the best way is to take a CPIA course that I'm teaching, um, just like you did, Heath, because there's something I said and uh, that tied into something you believe. And I think that's how we make connections there. And um, we, I, I strongly believe in that program, that professional designation. Um, and, you know, more is going to be done virtually. I hope we get one-on-one -on -one in front of people again, but it's, it looks like we're doing virtual pretty much all next year. And uh, let's, let's get connected that way. No, I think that's great. Uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us because I would have never thought that. I would have thought you'd have been better one-on-one -on -one or been thought better in agencies. So it's good to know that you work with carriers because me personally coming from such a long carrier background, that would have been a, a you know, a big introduction, you know, a big thing I could have used. Who are uh, you with so before? Who are you with before? I, I was with EMC. Oh, um, up in, um, up in uh, Des Moines, right? Des Moines. In Des Moines. I was there for almost a decade. I was with some brokers here and there. So I've been on the company side as well as the agency side. So uh, that's something I would have never thought with you, but that it makes sense. What that's you're right. doing totally makes sense on the carrier side. And, and I did a deal with EMC uh, when I was with the, the National Alliance and uh, I met the fellow there. I don't think, I think he's retired and he took me out to a historic home that he was on the board of directors of that was out in West Des Moines. And, uh, and I've had a couple of good opportunities with the uh, 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 Iowa um state association so I, I love going up there and uh um you midwesterners are the best well yeah i appreciate that um so uh let's do this uh, if you've listened to the show you'll be prepared for this if not 
that I'm going to ramble for a minute because I'm going to hit mute here in a few minutes. I'm going to let you talk about anything that you want to talk about. The floor will be yours. Gotcha. Do whatever do whatever dance you want to do. And uh, I'll hit mute for as long as you want me to. And then I'll take back over at the end. But uh, you go ahead. I'm going to hit mute. And anything that we missed, anything you want to educate us, in a, you know, inspire us, you go. I got you. First off, um, insurance people do inspire me. They really do. One thing I will mention is this profit center mentality. It's not just for commercial business. You can have the same attitude with personal lines. And I learned this that, you know, I was lucky enough that some of the commercial business we had uh, very, very nice personal lines accounts. They like good toys and big houses and things like that. But we just have to adapt it to a different language when you're working with personal lines. And this has been important for me when I do the uh, the CPIA training, because there are a lot of personal lines people there. You know, instead of talking about uh, working capital and uh, decreasing expenses, increasing revenues and all that, I talk about equity in their house. You know, if if uh, where's the money going to come from if there's no insurance there? Are you going to have to jump into the and there's a lot of equity in people's houses now because of low mortgage rates and high value, uh, increasing value. Are people um, heading into their retirement accounts, their 401ks, their their IRAs and that type of thing? My my important question I, I, I try to ask is where is the money going to come from? All right. So it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a a, a, a a tangent from the commercial side where I talk about increased uh, revenues, decreased expenses. It's more, where's the money going to come from? And it's real because we've been that. I do believe that insurance improves the quality of people's lives. I'm absolutely devoted to that. Not just because I'm talking to uh, the mayor of, uh, of insurance world, of insurance town. I mean, I believe it. I've seen it happen. You've probably delivered a check before that meant the world to somebody. Um, I used to sell life insurance a long time ago as well as property casualty and to deliver a death benefit knowing that somebody's child is going to go to college uh, makes you feel all warm and fuzzy while you're grieving the person that departed. Okay. And that's who we are. Um, don't let other people convince you otherwise, whether they are attorneys and attorneys are my friends. Okay. I, I, I do a little bit of expert witness work and surety bond cases and that type of thing. But the ones that want to point to insurance companies and insurance agents as the bad guys, just like the public adjusters, it's not true. You don't have to argue with them. It's like arguing with a, a door. It's not going to change its mind. It's not going to open for you. Just know and be able to believe and then communicate the value we bring to our clients. I'm out of material. <laughs> well, that's perfect timing. Uh, and I, I truly appreciate it. Is there uh, a, a, a landline or an email address, a cell sure. phone number, anything you could give out to the, the citizens of Insurance Town so they can get a hold of you if they want to follow up, ask questions, or just email you and say, Ed, you're amazing. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm even going to take care of technology and turn my ringer on this time so I don't miss any phone calls. Uh, the best number to reach me is my is 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 a landline. It's 561-737-7388. I keep it South Florida simple as far as my email address. It's edlamont617, no birthday cards, please, at gmail.com, edlamont617 at gmail.com. And, and, you, and you'll get <laughs> So 617 is your birthday? I didn't say that, did I? Uh, uh, uh. Someone told me from for a risk manager that was the dumbest thing you ever did is give away uh, half of your birthday. I bet you probably have your graduation, your high school on your on your uh, Zoom or your LinkedIn somewhere. So they probably know your date of birth, and that's really bad for identity theft. But uh, uh, it's mine. I'm, I'm I'm living with it. There you go. 
Well, again, Ed, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for hanging out. I appreciate it so much. Believe me, Mayor, when I when I make it to Insurance Town, I know I made, made it to the top of the heap. So thanks for having me, brother. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the show today. I know you have a lot of options out there, so it's cool that you spent some time in Insurance Town. I hope that the content that Ed and I brought brought value to your day today. Hey, don't forget, if you've got an idea for your own show, go check out my buddies over there at Ready, Set, Podcast, www.getreadysetpodcast.com. Uh, or you can reach out to him on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. You can probably find him. He's awesome. Ready, set, podcast. Turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Happy Thanksgiving! <laughs>